there, this is Frankie. And this is Jana. And we're the owners of Zenly Yoga Studio. Zenly is a neurodivergent owned and operated studio in St. Peter's on Gadigal land. We made a space where neurodivergent, BIPOC, queer, fat, disabled and just nervous people can come and experience movement. We have quiet corners, low lighting, accessibility aids and trauma-informed staff. Have a first free class on us. Go to zenly.com.au, sign up and use the offer code NYNT. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Not Your Neurotypical Podcast, the podcast dedicated to exploring the real experiences, insights, challenges and perspectives of neurodivergent individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Raylene Sebastian, and I was diagnosed with ADHD later in life. In each episode, we'll be delving into the fascinating world of neurodivergence, a concept that celebrates the incredible diversity of human minds. We'll unravel misconceptions, share personal stories, and offer practical insights to create a more inclusive and accepting world for everyone. Whether you're neurodivergent, neurotypical, or somewhere in between, this podcast is your bridge to building empathy, breaking down barriers, and fostering a community where differences are not just acknowledged, but celebrated. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Before we jump in, a note on our content. This is created for adult audiences only. We advise listener and reader discretion for depictions and discussions of mental illness, existential struggle, and some downright filthy language. It can be a lot to take in. So if you need a breather, take a break or come back later. Remember, help is available at Lifeline by calling 13 11 14. In this episode, I interviewed Amy. Amy Green is a data and systems expert with over 14 years of experience in the vocational education and training sector and has held various roles that have allowed her to explore leadership and staff management where her fascination with human behaviour could really be explored. Amy draws upon her personal experiences as an autistic ADHD, multiply disabled queer woman, using this experience to better empathise with, understand and help others who may be misunderstood. Amy's dedicated to fostering inclusion, particularly neuroinclusion, within the workplace, driving her mission to create supportive and accessible work environments for neurodivergent folks. With dreams of becoming an allied health professional, Amy aspires to work closely with the artistic ADHD community, providing much-needed support and understanding. Outside of her professional pursuits, Amy indulges in her pug obsession and harbors a deep love for fluffy highland cows. She loves playing golf with her husband, and for her, life would lack meaning without music, which is and has always been an integral part of her journey. Amy and I talk about side quests, info dumping, researching, and lifelong learning, burning out, light bulb moments, and the effects of ADHD on marriage. Apologies for those listening, you might have to listen a little harder to my audio as my mic was not working this date. But what counts is that you hear Amy and her great insights. Enjoy. 
welcome to episode eight of Not Your Neurotypical Podcast. I'm here with Amy. Hi, Amy. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm very glad to get into learning a lot more about you and, and who you are and everything um, that comes with you. Um, and I've already learned so much in the past few minutes, which is great. Um, but first of all, I'd like to start with the game, which we have talked about is we keep folders of memes in our Instagram and pretty much yes. the same memes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Love it. Start with... <laughs> let's start with this one. This is a meme. It's from ADHD memes, of course. It says, I don't know if other ADHDs feel the same, but I struggle a lot with my sense of identity because I want to be and do so many things. <laughs> is that relatable? I want to do all the things at once and be all the things at once and know all the things at once. So yeah, yeah. 100, one, that's just life. 100%. <laughs> right. I, I never understood the whole like all or nothing thing until someone was like, you do that all the time. Like if you have to bring plates yeah. from the kitchen, you bring everything. You don't just go back. Literally. You don't realize you can. It's like that. all of these little, like, <laughs> I like to call them side quests now though. So like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to oh. go do like the laundry or whatever. And then on the way I'm like, oh, that thing over there and that thing over there. And I'm just going to like wipe here or like pick this thing up. And I'm like, and I, I, I know that I'm doing it, but I just can't stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're so conscious and hyper aware of it, but you're going to still do it. It's a game. It's a side quest. You're right. <laughs> it really is. I love that side quest. <laughs> Um, second meme is relatable or not, um, having ADHD is like, I have a thing to do in four hours, so I don't have time to do anything else before that happens. Relatable or not? Literally. And then <laughs> if the thing is like an appointment, I will be there like an hour early and I'll just sit in my car and be like, why am I like this? Every single time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I... Yeah, I think I had an appointment at like 11 a.m. the other day and I'm an early bird and I'm like, Same. no, no, I have to do, like, I've got to get ready and that's it. <laughs> From like 8 to 11, I was like, I'm not, I've got to prepare. wasn't even doing anything. <laughs> How? But hey, it could take you three um, hours to get ready. You just don't know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, definitely relatable. Um, very relatable but <laughs> um and last but not least this one's um i guess a bit less i don't know less nicer i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> reminder that adhd autism and other neurodivergencies are generally genetic so if your parents are telling you your symptoms are just something everyone does there may be a reason for that is that been relatable yeah. to you <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 so relatable. <laughs> and it's really funny because um, right? when I, when I actually went for my um, ADHD uh, assessment, I brought my mum along with me mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. you know, we'd kind of like finish the assessment and my psychiatrist is like, yeah, you know, it's pretty obvious. I mean, this is like, you know, <laughs> the best score that I've ever achieved in my life, you know. <laughs> on any test um and then he mentioned something he mentioned something and then he looked at my mum and essentially you know informally diagnosed her too I'm like oh mum oh yeah (laughs) there we go how did how did apples and trees you know how did she take it 
Well, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, how did she take it? How did she take it? She, yeah, she was pretty good about it. To be fair, um, I mean, I, I info dump so, so very, very <laughs> much. I always have. So I kind oh, of. Yeah. Uh, informed her of like everything basically um you know around yeah. kind of like ADHD before um going into the assessment so you know there was I think a lot of aha and like light bulb moments for her even in the lead up to to my assessment so she's she's actually pretty cool about it considering she's 69 so she's you know a year away from the big 70 um yeah, she she was actually pretty cool about it. That's great to hear. I mean, mm. I think like in terms of generational like mental health and like that stigma, I mm. like I mean, my background's Asian, so like for my parents they still kind of they learned that and they learned that through like what you said, info dumping, right? Um mm. so when they heard about mine, it's like it's nice to hear that your mom kind of was like, Yeah, okay, like that's it's a good comfort. Um so it's interesting to hear because like my parents are very much similar. Like my my dad's sixty seven, and it's like like the shift from no mental health doesn't exist to now. Mm. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I experienced that. <laughs> you know, so that's a, that's a great thing to hear. I know it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, that yeah, the difference between like all the generations and stuff, but yet we have uh, folks like ours, I guess, who are kind of open or trying to be more open about it and understand and yeah. uh, kind of start to open up and be like, mm, yeah, like when I was, you know, X years old or in my 20s or whenever it was, you know, it's um, I was experiencing those things too but I didn't know how to articulate it and to, to kind of see yeah. those older generations opening up or at least attempting to open up is really cool. Yeah, and to finally have them more informed about what is actually happening and that it is a valid thing to go through and, like, you know, it's not that it's a bad thing to experience. It's just that, hey, you know, you got you have something that you are something that is this, you know, and, and it's such a big thing. I think for them, you know, it's already so hard to accept because they're already so much, so much further into their life. It's like, well, mm. they've gotten so far, it's okay. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And I hear that a lot. Like, there's so many stories about, like, like I, I believe I've heard a story about, like, an 80-year-old grandmother um, kind of getting a diagnosis. And, like, she wow. was, it was, I think it was in a forum, and she was, like, writing it down, and she was like, look, I'm 80. Like, I don't know how it is even, like, what, what do I do now? Because I've already lived my life, and does it have an impact now? Like, I don't know what to do. And it's just... It's so interesting to hear, like, both, you know, getting parents and children both diagnosed at the same time. Like, I hear that mm. a lot, which is a great thing because at least you're both being... Oh, amazing. And you can go through that journey together, right? Yeah. And, but then you've got the other side where you're diagnosed later and the whole, you know, could have been, would have been, should have been. Exactly. But, you know, you go into a spiral. Again, well, some people do, yeah. 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 But I think at least you kind of have the answer. Um, mm. rather than never really, you know, better late than never, I guess. Right? Exactly. And I think especially um, for um, 
I guess older folks and I'll, I'll lump myself in there mm. as well because I'm in my 30s, you know, very old. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's really, uh, I, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's the Botox. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, I, I, look, I don't have children, but I, I am married, you know, and mm. uh, my husband is also yeah. diagnosed uh, formerly ADHD and he's the epitome of yeah. inattentive. <laughs> Um, but right. it's, even being diagnosed, you know, when, when we were, we're both in our thirties, um, it's the diagnosis itself. And then me being me, I'm obsessed with research and just learning everything there yeah. is to, to know about anything that kind of piques my interest. But since being diagnosed, our communication, our relationship has just, and it's never been te- like awful but it's just you know a billion times more amazing um than it than it was and it's just being able to kind of even though we were and have always been very honest with each other it's that added layer of honesty of like well actually this is what's kind of going on within now that I can kind of better articulate you know whether I'm overwhelmed or going into um like a meltdown or a shutdown or something um along those lines you know it's it's having the language right and being able to just better explain that internal experience yeah you know that's um that's really valid what you're saying and it's valuable Mm. because um I I I feel the same because um, when I mm. got my diagnosis as well, I was literally, I literally had just gotten married a week before, and wow, um, I think for yeah, and I think for my husband and I, like he was very like, Let, let's do it. That's the earliest appointment. Let's do it, and it was just such a great answer for both of us because we're still working through it, and like it's amazing to hear like that. You know, it, yeah, it helps so much because again, you have the answer. You're able to communicate a lot more because you understand. You can identify things easily. And it helps mm. as well because I'm like, yeah, like I can articulate like, hey, this is why I'm feeling this way. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing because of this. Like it's never an excuse. It's just that's the reason now because I know what it is. There is an actual layer to it as opposed to just, oh, it's just how I am. And I can't, I hate being dismissive. Like I like having that there is a root cause, right? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So be, right. And so being able to, to, yeah, to see how much of an effect a diagnosis mm. can have your marriage as well and not only your marriage but like the relationships with other people that you have especially with yourself it's a big big thing um a hundred percent and especially like, um it's a huge learning experience oh yeah it's it every day <laughs> every day is a learning experience you know <laughs> yeah. but especially um for those people that I know as well who have been diagnosed later in life and who have um, children, uh, especially little children who are developing into their little crazy neurodivergent selves. Um, and it's, it's funny <laughs> because, you know, I, I can see it uh, in, in especially my little niece and I just love her. She's just the wow. most energy ever. <laughs> I just, I love her yeah. so much. But, um, you know, you can <laughs> see her little, her little ADHD brain ticking along and oh it's it's amazing but kind of being able to see that I guess in in a child as well and then because her parents are you know family 
to me you know I love them so much um being able to then kind of be like oh yeah you know she's probably having a meltdown over there or or shutdown or you know bit of a tantrum or whatever it is you know as kids do because there's just too much going on like she's completely overwhelmed and being able to kind of um I don't know shed a bit of light on my own in, internal experience because as a kid you know I was the same yeah. we we're, we're we're born with these these brains um even though it's neurodevelopmental but um yeah it's it's yeah just having the language and being able to really well better explain ourselves is just so it's so important it's so informative because mm it helps people understand you and it validates your Mm. experience right and I like that you said that because there was something where like you said like tantrums right and like I I, me with chunky background I always had parents go oh she's chucking a tantrum blah blah and I'm like is it a tantrum or is it because they're overwhelmed exactly it's like and something I've learned is is it is it the people is it the is it the person is it the child or the person or is it the environment right exactly and that's such a big like perspective shift like I, I want to it's just yeah something I've just started to learn more now and you know like it's not always pointing the finger at someone it's pointing the finger at people around them you know um, mm. but yeah no very interesting point um before we get in I into, into <laughs> you I, I want to say you already shared so much already but thanks for playing the game um but You're before welcome. we move on to all our tangents <laughs> I know, um, right? I would love to learn about. <laughs> um, I would love to learn about you. Tell me about yourself, Amy. Oh wow! Who? Where do I start? It's so it's so weird because I <laughs> I hate introducing myself. It's uh, it's so unnatural. I'm like, oh god, like, oh, I'm yeah. so cringy. <laughs> no, um, you're oh gosh. Oh, stop. <laughs> the bio um, you sent oh me gosh. this morning, I was like, oh, love it. <laughs> Thank you. I won't lie, ChatGPT did help me out with structuring that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's a good resource sometimes. I know, right? Especially when oh, the brain is <laughs> tapped out. Um <laughs> gosh where do I even start with introducing myself um wow uh so my name is Amy Green (laughs) I am a 33 year old uh woman uh late diagnosed autistic ADHD uh I consider myself also multiply disabled so as well as my many neurodivergences um I Uh, also have a great deal of chronic pain um, as well as um, you know psychosocial disabilities so uh, depression and anxiety Um, gosh I am a uh, data and systems uh, specialist and I've been working within the vocational education training sector so the vet sector um, for the past 14 years Um, I honestly never thought that I would be so passionate about education um but I really am and I guess that's why I've kind of been within the vet sector for so long um I just I just love it I don't know what it is I think it's I think it's the lifelong learner in me (laughs) 
Yeah, I just I can't get away from it. Um, but no, I I love what I do. Um, but um, yeah, I gosh, I have been with my uh, amazing husband who just puts up with all of this. <laughs> no, he's amazing. Um, but we've been to, together for fourteen years. Been married for eight. Um, and yeah, we, we met actually, uh, in, in high school when we were 13. So we've known each other for for forever, essentially. Um, yeah. And we, we have a beautiful little baby pug. He's just, oh, my world. Oh, cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just pug obsessed, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. I, yeah. Dogs, oh, just in general. Yeah, they're great. I know, right? Um, but that's so great. I I do want to say thank you. That's still a great introduction. I um first I I like that you guys have been together for so long and that you it I think it really shows that you've grown together to understand each other a lot, which is a great thing. Because I think yeah, I think a lot of the times like you hear couples that have been together for so long, but they don't even know like themselves let alone yeah you know each other and it, that's such an important thing to really touch on but it's so great to hear mm. and um but yeah I I want to learn about your many I guess both disabilities and diagnosis how um did you come to or what was I guess can you talk me through like what was your very first diagnosis and from there so I guess like a lot of, uh, especially women, <laughs> um, I, you know, oh gosh, life just doesn't life just get harder and more difficult as you get older. I just, oh, honestly, oh yeah, um, <laughs> right. What is with that? And when we're kids, we're like, yes, I can't wait to be an adult. And then we get here and we're like, no, this, this isn't what I, what I signed up for at all. <laughs> Take it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the worst part is the adults will tell you that, and oh like, right, kid, and then you're like, nah, it's great. No, I, <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Why did we believe them? Seriously. <laughs> but um, yeah. So oh, oh, look, I mean, I've always known that I was different. Um, I. I don't know if I want to say that I struggled as, I mean, I did, but um, I, I did and, you know, still do, I guess, struggle to um, have friendships. I will say, though, that, like, as I've gotten older and I've kind of, um, you know, better accepted who who I am, how I operate, um, I have an amazing friend circle uh, they're they're honestly family it's it's they're stuck with me now um <laughs> but as yeah. you can imagine you know um birds of a feather flock together so as well as it, as it goes right. so a lot of um my my nearest and dearest uh you know go, either have recently gone through or are waiting to go through um you know ADHD assessments autistic assessments uh all sorts of things uh you know my husband included he was diagnosed ADHD um only in March this year uh as well as one of our best mates uh too uh so so it's no surprise that 
I kind of have surrounded myself with this amazing um, neurodivergent, I guess, um, little community, which is yeah, incredible. Yeah. But um, going back to, to the first diagnosis, um, life <laughs> progressively got harder. <laughs> Um, and, uh, at the age of 25, um, my, uh, husband and I, uh, decided to not only get married that year, but also build our first home, uh, and also get our first dog together. Uh, yeah. So amazing. And then it was just like blow just explosions, you know, explosions going everywhere, so much going on. Um, And I just, that was my first real, as an adult, my first real experience of autistic burnout. I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing at 25, um, only because I was diagnosed autistic last year. Um, But, Yeah. yeah, I was... I was so unwell uh, to the point where my body uh, was just absolutely shot. The day that we moved into our home, I was, you know, laid flat out on the couch. I had the worst uh, flu that I've literally ever experienced in my life. Um, And I just had no idea why I was struggling so, so bad, you know, terribly with with all of these things going on I mean looking back hindsight it's a (laughs) it's a wonderful thing um (laughs) I look at it and I'm like oh yeah right I tried to do like all of the 50 billion things of you know being a (laughs) quote-unquote adult um at the same time uh without having known about my my neurodivergences and and the impact that that would have on my mental health so because it really did take um a nosedive uh, in terms of my mental health. I, um, you know, I'd, I'd already kind of gone to therapists before that just to kind of, um, I don't know, just work through, you know, little T traumas, I guess, that, again, hindsight, yeah. neurodivergent, didn't know it, <laughs> experiencing all of yeah. these, um, you know, micro traumas um, growing up. But at uh, at twenty five, yeah, it was that real nosedive. Um, we into into real mental illness and burnout, um, and that was when I was diagnosed with my depression and anxiety. Um, since then, um, I I've been on um, antidepressants um, since those diagnoses, and it's it it always really blows my mind. And I guess now um, having received my autism and ADHD diagnoses, I kind of look back on that and I, because it's been, you know, nearly, nearly 10 years since um, actually getting those formal depression and anxiety diagnoses, but it's really bizarre, right? Because you would think, and Look, I'm I'm not a I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a practitioner, <laughs> anything. I'd love to be, um, <laughs> yeah. but I find it bizarre, right, that you go in and and chat to these therapists, and I was diagnosed with the depression and the anxiety, and said, "Yep, 
you know, take take medication, have all this cognitive behavioural therapy, which, you know, FYI, rarely works for people who are neurodivergent. Um, yeah. Look, re- <laughs> reframing, um, reframing internally and um, those internal messages that we kind of tell ourselves if it works, amazing. But for someone who's neurodivergent, I mean, for me in particular, I will 100% just like spotlight and zone in on those negative uh, behaviors, I guess, like internal self-talk, you know, um, and yeah. reframing that it, it impossible right because we are just so obsessed with the stuff that is so much more interesting um which yeah. which is that that negative self-talk so it's, it's coming back to why I find things bizarre right <laughs> it's nearly been I guess yeah, nearly been 10 years since I've been on antidepressants and kind of reflecting on that it's almost like if if I were a clinician or an allied health specialist, um, you know, someone within that that realm now with all the knowledge that I kind of have, um, you know, burrowed away and read through and become obsessed with, I just feel like therapists, counsellors, et cetera, they don't um, seem to want to explore those differentials, you know, like, oh, okay, so this person's been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. They've been on this medication for X amount of years, but they're still really struggling. And it's kind of like they, it's almost like they don't want to attempt or um, want to look into the possibility that, okay, maybe we're dealing with something else. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of, I guess, I guess for me, you know, I did that internal um, work myself and, and I eventually came to that point of, okay, we've got the, we've got the depression, we've got the anxiety, we've got this uh, eating disorder as well. Um, none of it's going away, despite the fact that I've tried the medications, I do the therapies, you know, I've been in and out of therapy for, for 10 years, you know, why aren't things life? Why isn't life easier? <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess, you know, I got to that point where it was like, okay, what else? What, what am I missing? Uh, and it was, it was quite funny, actually, one of my best girlfriends, um, just, you know, it was probably about two years ago, we were chatting one night and she, she brought up the fact that she had read uh, a few things about ADHD and her sister years ago had been diagnosed, but uh, with all of the new kind of research and information that um, started to come out during that time, you know, it was, they were starting to explore the inattentive or the combined type a lot more and not just that hyperactive yeah. external display and what she'd read she'd you know kind of had a chat to me about it and I just had all of these light bulb moments going oh my god that's me everything that you're saying is me that yeah. is my experience <laughs> like are you reading about my life <laughs> so um 
Look, it it took a good solid year of me from that conversation, then doing my own research because I'm obsessed. You know, I will dissect, research and pull apart everything and anything that I find fascinating. And it got to the point where I just said to myself, I, I need to go for this assessment. This could be yeah. the thing that helps me to better understand how I operate in this world. Yeah, that's great. But, yeah, I, you know what, with all the the last few things you'd said about your, like, just before you got your diagnosis, I relate so much because that's exactly how I went through it. <laughs> yeah. it was just, yeah, seeing someone else speak about it and, and write it down and, and just... I froze and I feel you I feel exactly how you would have felt in that moment and just mm. what a shock it would have been and just to go oh my gosh what do you mean this is something that someone else also experiences that it's not just me right yeah but I think that's the beauty as well in it that is that you're not alone in it and I think that's what I'm trying to create with this podcast is just having that community to feel like yeah look I'm validating my experience and validating yours because it's it's a real thing it's an actual thing that we are experiencing you know and so and like you're right with the whole therapy and, and all that because I could not agree more how you said like you know therapists will only focus on one thing which is you know if they specialize in that that'll help um and in my experience absolutely they I had a great psychologist who worked with me with mm. my trauma and we all know that trauma exacerbates ADHD and she did such a great job in helping me manage that that I did so well yeah. but then after you know after some time I was like okay it's still not working how many times you know what I mean like it, it just it became so repetitive and I'm like there's got to be something else and when I did approach her about like hey like I think I might have ADHD and then she kind of like no that's just anxiety and I'm like okay I don't need to be someone like okay fair enough I can understand maybe you might not think that way but I need to hear I need to be with someone that can be open to that because mm. I as much as you are great at helping me in this I want to be able to tackle things right and yeah um, absolutely about friendships as well I was um I was speaking to a friend last night and she was saying like she's gone through different um psychologists to work on different things and I was like that's that's mm. interesting that makes sense because mm. different therapists and psychologists will help you in in different ways because they'll see you in different ways right because exactly stages of your life where you're tackling different things and mm. that's such an important thing to to to, to talk about I, I love that but it's it's like um when we did talk about you know infodumping and how much you love research it's because as having this diagnosis it's that you have to advocate for yourself you have to be informed and then inform yes. people right 100 percent. yeah really you know what we're about because you know, there's so many people that are trying to misinform, you know, and and like you said, it's like you're almost getting so that you know all these women are being misdiagnosed because, mm. or they're not getting diagnosed at all because it's just under the umbrella of something else. And like, yes, exactly, you know, um, I was told I was depressed. I was diagnosed, you know, high high functioning anxiety, which I knew I definitely had, but it was just like, but there was something else, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, um. So like. Yes, I don't know. It, that could be such a huge thing, you know. But uh, but yeah, like it's just to each their own, I guess. Um, it, it happens a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's and, it. Um, it does. And it's so unfortunate, you know. It's 
I, like I said, I, I was diagnosed at the age of 25 with depression, anxiety, an eating disorder, and nothing got better despite the fact, you know, me going out there researching therapists who, I mean, they're, they're meant to be the experts, right? Um, and yet I think, I think therapists also, and I think this is just the, the medical uh, industry as a whole, I think they have some, most, I think have a problem <laughs> with being honest about saying that's not in my wheelhouse. I'm I'm not the specialist in yes. autism. I'm not the specialist in ADHD. I'm not the specialist in all of these things. However, let me work with you to try and find someone who is. They should be doing that rather than yes. outwardly invalidating and just saying, no, you couldn't possibly be autistic or ADHD or insert you know, whatever diagnosis <laughs> it is here yeah. uh, because you're married, because you've had a, you know, held a job for X amount of years, because yeah. you have a mortgage, because, you know, and it's all of these things and uh, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel you. I, I've heard that one before, the whole you can't be autistic because you're married. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. and it's just, I still don't understand that because I'm like, I, what do you mean? Like, I don't, and, but you know, that's the thing. Like, you, but it's because you try to get, you want the answer because you've, you've, you've been able to function so far in your life, but there's something there, right? Like, and that just happens. And yeah, you're right about that with the whole, like, I, I had that experience too when I approached a, a psychologist that specialized in ADHD. And mm. I realized after having that um, session with her, I was like, okay, I don't need help with the ADHD things because I can figure that out on my own. I need help with neurotypical things. And it was a big like realization. But when I spoke to her, I remember going like, I need help with ADHD things. Like, can you help me? That couldn't says that you can help manage that. And she's like, look, but ADHD is like a huge thing. It's not very specific. I'm like, I can understand that because my psychiatrist said the same. She's like, he he put it like, he kind of worded it like, you know, you it's it is like it's a different. It's a lot of like you know, things that can be mm. managed by any psychologist but yeah if you want ADHD specific stuff you'll have to go with someone that is but I'm like yeah you're right but why can't someone go hey I can't do that because my that psychologist that I approached she was like well ADHD covers a lot so I don't know what you mean by specific ADHD and I'm like when the why does your profile say specialized in ADHD <laughs> like what I know right <laughs> um <laughs> So it's so strange to me. Um, but, yeah, like how come, yeah, you're right. You're so right. Why can't these doctors and therapists and psychologists just go, hey, like it's actually out of my range. I'll refer you to mm. someone else. Because there is. There's exactly. always someone else that will know, right? 100%. <laughs> I know. Um, it's it's so frustrating, yeah, you know, and then it takes us 10 years to actually figure it out on our own. <laughs> Yeah, and that's it though. It's the time, the energy, the effort that you quote unquote waste 
to mm. get to where you want to be, right? And that's what a lot of yeah. people, people talk about is the barriers to getting a diagnosis. It's not only the money, it's not only trying to find certain people, it's that those people, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get there, you'll be at that point, but those people will not even be convinced. They won't believe you. They'll, you'll, exactly. you'll have to go through assessments and all this stuff. And it's for me, because I, I think I was so fortunate that I got a diagnosis in, I want to say this, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but I got it in the most easiest way possible, which is so absurd to me because I hear of people who have struggled to even get there because it's taken yes. longer than it should have. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I I'm exactly the same, Ray, because <laughs> I'm an exception to the rule as well. My diagnosis process right? of both my autism and ADHD was a breeze. I yeah. had no yeah. issues with, you know, going to my GP yeah. and saying, I want a referral for this. This is where I want to be referred to yeah. because me being me, of course, I've researched everyone <laughs> here in Perth, you know, um, to figure out <laughs> yeah. who I wanted to conduct those yeah. assessments. Uh, and I, I was fortunate <laughs> enough that I, that I have firstly a, a general practitioner who is open and willing to explore and not just straight up the yeah. back go, nope, that's that's not you, you know, because of, you know, said yeah. mortgage, said job, marriage, etc. Yeah. Uh, and then oh. I was then fortunate enough to, thankfully, because of that uh, initial research, have a psychiatrist who specialises in ADHD. He himself is ADHD. He gets it, which yeah, is just go. incredible. Uh, then I was fortunate enough for my uh, autism uh, assessment. I had actually had the conversation with my psychiatrist first and said, look, ADHD diagnosis, it, it explains X, Y, and Z. However, I feel like there's something missing. <laughs> There's something missing and the stimulant medication, because I've chosen to, to uh, utilize medication. I just want to say though, that pills do not make skills. And anybody who thinks that stimulant medication is, you know, the, the silver bullet, silver bullet, I don't know, it's probably the wrong kind of um, <laughs> wrong term, but you know, kind of like the, this is no, the yeah. thing that's going to fix my life. Uh, yeah, no, completely wrong. <laughs> you actually yeah. do need to uh, yeah, yeah. develop some structures and skills and scaffolding, all the internal work that's really difficult. Um, but the stimulant medication provided me with enough bandwidth to start to yes. uh, attempt to kind of develop structures and internal scaffolding, et cetera, while working with my yes. psychiatrist and my now psychologist, right? But there was still mm. something missing. The executive functioning pieces, I guess, um, you know, that really do come with ADHD, um, they certainly got a little bit better. I won't say that they got my my EF, my executive functioning has gotten like, wow, it's amazing. And I can do all of the things, you know, now <laughs> I can't at all. <laughs> but, you know, the, the medication has absolutely provided me with a little bit more bandwidth to, to be able to work on those things. But there was definitely yeah. something missing. And 
I approached my psychiatrist uh, and had that conversation. And thankfully, he is one of these amazing, honest, um, you know, specialists who said, look, totally want you to go and explore autism. Not within my wheelhouse, though. And basically said, you know, just because it's not something that I specialize in, here's all of these resources, look into them, um, you know, kind of decide if you want to see a neuropsychologist uh, for the assessment or a clinical psychologist or, you know, kind of someone who specializes within that field. So he was able to yeah. provide a couple of suggestions, but also it's it's it was that real honesty about not not my specialty, um, but I think it's absolutely something worth exploring, uh, especially as I started to kind of develop that um, relationship with him as well. And yeah. again, with the with the autism assessment and the diagnosis, it just felt so easy. And for so many other people, uh, close close people, you know, some of my closest friends have just had such awful experiences with even just going to their general practitioner. Not in, And this is way before them even getting to the assessment point. They've already experienced all of this really shitty trauma from the medical world where, yeah. you know, we, I'm not a medical professional, right? I assume when I go to the doctor yeah. that uh, they you know, what is it? The Hippocratic Oath or whatever? Do no harm, right? You you think yeah. as, you know, someone who isn't um, medically trained in any way, uh, you think that going to these people that they want the best for you, that they will advocate for you. And when you get there and they don't and they invalidate your experience and you leave feeling a hell of a lot worse than you did going in, it's, wow. <laughs> it's, it's so it just, sad, it? it is, right? It's, I, yeah, but like, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm speechless because I, I hear it too often and it shouldn't be the case. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that it is because, you know, the reason why we talk about this is because I want to be able to inform people, especially about our Australian public health and private health system, is to see mm. if it succeeds in providing the support that we need, which obviously, you know, it's still kind of getting there because people still don't understand that women have ADHD, but that's like a whole other topic. Mm. But what I mean to say is also is that it's it's so difficult to advocate for something that people don't actually accept yet. Right. Or don't even so believe like exists. Like, right. like, exactly. So the fact that someone has to personally convince a GP that they have this thing that they don't even know about yet is mm. so tough because you're still trying to understand and you're already struggling. And I, I talk about this a lot with a lot of my like my podcast guests because they also have this experience and hearing them go through this difficult, difficult like process. It shouldn't have to be because all yeah. it takes is a GP just to go, here's a referral because I don't know how it is for you, but I'll give you a referral so that you can then go to this actual professional 
school, then talk you through it. And if that professional doesn't believe you, fine. Like, then, you know, come back. We'll find another one that might, may, may not. Like, it's at least they'll be able to give you that, like, opportunity for you to then mm. advocate for yourself and see where it gets you. Because at least then you're exactly. not that person's growth, you know, and it that really gets me because, like, like, like you, I was diagnosed at 25 and I still think that's late. But, and some people, I still hear people getting diagnosed 50 and older and older. Mm. And, but no matter what stage in your life, it shouldn't have to be that hard. Right? No, and absolutely I not. I just want to say your psychiatrist is a gem. Your psychiatrist is oh, a gem. Oh, I love him. You're very lucky. <laughs> He's incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm very, yeah, I'm blessed. I'm glad that he did that for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah but i'm not like I'm, I'm actually generally glad that he did that for you because you will not see that a lot right mm. and i've had people reach out in facebook forums say like hey like i need i want a gp that understands women with adhd and i've referred people to my gp because i think i just got luck with my gp because i've had two and i've had one um i always have another one just for a second opinion i think it's a good advice to have sometimes because mm. um like you mentioned, a lot of people get trauma just going to see a GP and that's called white coat syndrome because they don't want to go and see a GP because it's already hard to get them to understand, right? Because then you get intimidated yeah. and you have to over-explain yourself and sometimes they still won't understand. And it's just like, why should it be hard for someone to believe that? Because all it takes is them to go, here you go, here's a referral, go see and see. Like all it is is you be- you're better off chasing up your health concerns than not, mm. right? Um, yeah. And like I always say this, you'd rather prevent than treat. And hundred percent takes that step to go do it and just check. But yeah, I, I like it's always good to have second opinions, always good to double check. It's always good to just chase your own leads, advocate for yourself because it's that's out, it out there, right? Like not everyone's gonna that's, believe you. <laughs> that's right. And look, there's there's a lot of people that they they can't advocate for themselves for a for a plethora of reasons. But it's important mm-hmm. to, you know, I guess uh, in in what you're doing, Ray, and what I'm attempting to do, you know, in, in, in my community as well is to kind of be that person to say, look, if you can't do it, I am more than happy to, to step in and help out, you know. I, I certainly don't want to take over, but if I can articulate your experience and really just push for you and advocate for you to get the incredibly very necessary and I want to like really emphasize on necessary (laughs) supports and help (laughs) and just it look I'm more than happy to be that person (laughs) yeah no I understand thank you for that I I do appreciate that and I like I think that's a good thing that I have started to realize like it's you know like we talked about this before it's like yeah fame's not a thing it's just about us getting this notion this actual real condition through the door to get people to understand it's not fake we're not being trendy we're not we're not getting attention we're getting attention for the right reasons you know and yeah and that's all it is right because it's it's upsetting to hear about this that people mm. don't get that benefit of the doubt because um when we when you talk about um like people trying to get their diagnosis i didn't realize how much of a minority i am until yeah I same to a couple of my podcast guests because right and like 
like um i think frankie from episode three like she was saying also episode two she was saying you know i she's she's a white woman in australian society society and like she has all the privilege right and she can easily get it mm. but it took her so long it took her so so yeah. long and she said you know minorities it's harder for them because sometimes they don't even have access to that they don't have the money they don't and there's so much there that all you need to do is provide this referral <laughs> and yeah it shouldn't be hard right yeah I 100% yeah. agree and you know I guess that's that's another piece to why I am so vocal uh is because yeah. I hold all of this privilege right I I'm a white woman as far as I know, to be fair, I, I should probably do some DNA testing <laughs> to confirm. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, my skin, I, I, for all intents purposes, I'm a white woman. I, I'm educated, you know, graduated high school. Um, I, I've been able to, you know, be within the workforce since I was at the age of 15, you know, all of these many privileges and it's really about, okay, well, I know that I have all of these privileges. What can I do with these privileges, right? How can I help other people who don't uh, or uh, whether they don't have these privileges or they don't quite know... um, what they can do, right, uh, in in the realm of helping others who may not have the same opportunities as us, and and I guess that's that's the main thing, right? It's um, pushing back um, on systems, right? Society, all all of the things, uh, and and saying it's it's not good enough. Do better, basically. Um, we. <laughs> gosh I I'm just I'm so tongue-tied because I just I get so passionate about it right yeah no I feel you I hate this is this is why you get so many ADHD advocates right this is why this it's the crux of it this is essentially why we're trying to spread the word because it's being mishandled I think is the best way to really describe it Mm. because it shouldn't be and like mm. I get it it's not easy because yeah you don't want to have to diagnose so many people but the other side of it is people can be on different parts of that spectrum they can have it but it's the fact that these people are reaching out and they need these strategies and the medication mm. they just want that to help them to, so that it does like you said to manage that bandwidth for you um for me it was the clarity the medication was clarity mm. for me because my God, I didn't realize how much I struggled. And everyone always asks this because I never know how to answer. They always go, you know, like, why did you choose medication? I'm like, honestly, I I didn't choose it. It was more just me having to be open to that idea to help Mm. me because I actually didn't know how much I was struggling until I took it. And when I took it, I was in shock because is this how it is? Like, and then of course, like like you said, you have to have, all these strategies in place, the, the scaffolding, that's so important. You can't just rely yeah. on that because it's so much more than just taking the meds, right? It's you need to be able to reflect a lot. You have to constantly have this homework. And it's like, like you said, all that inner talk, it's so, so important. And yeah, so anyway, oh. I understand. It's It takes a lot of work. <laughs> oh my God, so much work. So much work. <laughs> <laughs> 
but oh, it's there, yeah, there was I, there was one comment yeah. that you made about um you know i i don't struggle with the adhd things i struggle with the neurotypical things right i really liked that comment that you made yeah. because it is so yeah. true right when i am around mm-hmm. my people mm-hmm. my my community my tribe mm-hmm. I don't have any mm-hmm. quote unquote deficits in communication or yeah. any of the, you know, yeah. standard DSM criteria, right. That encompasses ADHD and yeah. the the autistic community because we all communicate really, really well with each other, but it's when we, are, <laughs> you know, it's when we're thrust out into society, say, you know, a workplace or wherever it is where there's it's packed jam you know jam packed full of all of these different neurotypes right and this is where we well for me uh, personally where you'll see my communication again quote unquote deficits <laughs> because <laughs> it, it's it's all that double empathy problem right i'm out here yeah. as my little neurospicy self and trying to to uphold my mask to appear again quote unquote normal <laughs> what what's normality <laughs> anyway right but i'm i'm out right. here <laughs> yeah right i'm out here i'm you know faced with someone who essentially doesn't speak my language and i don't speak their language and for whatever reason i and it for me it always it, it especially masking and camouflaging um, kind of in that realm, it's, it all comes down to safety, right? So um, because I don't feel safe, I'm, I'm out there chatting to all of these uh, wonderful different neurotypes and I'm essentially speaking French, you know, they're, I'm, I'm trying (laughs) to speak their language and they don't understand me. I don't understand them, but I'm trying really, really hard to to understand them to to get what they're trying to say but it's not a two-way street i'm just told oh that's she doesn't understand she's being difficult uh she she has quote unquote (laughs) deficits in communication uh so it's the struggle is real you know (laughs) You're absolutely right, Amy. Um, it's funny. I, I want to tie that back to when you said, yeah, pills do not make skills. And I, I mm. love that you said that. Um, but you're right. So when you when I, when I did if the whole realisation between, I'll get back to your communication, but the, when you said, like, the, when I said the, um, I realised I didn't need help with your, my ADHD, it's, it was a big realisation to me because I... Mm. I, for some reason, I sat down as like my second um, appointment with that psychologist, and I was just like, "What's wrong? Why are we like we're attacking this from a different angle?" And I don't like it. It's not working. Mm. And that's when I realized I was like, "Okay, I I don't need help masking, but I need help to understand how that side works <laughs> because yeah, I cannot do masking anymore. It's bloody exhausting, and I feel like masking is it's." 
it's taken a lot for me to understand that I do it because mm. like you don't know because you for the whole you know your whole life you've you've just had to create this thing and you've had to yeah. mirror and all this other stuff so and like it's it's not a I find exactly no 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 sorry this is just it's yeah, just yeah. so uh, no, no, normal no. like we're just gonna continue to like interject over each other like yeah. oh my god I have this thing that I need to okay. say um <laughs> No, it's fine. You go, go, go. I'll write it down. You're fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, it, it's funny because, uh, funny, not ha-ha, um, <laughs> but with with the masking, okay. you know, we, we don't even, it's unconscious, right? It just becomes unconscious that we, as soon as we kind of get yeah. that, we perceive that we are in a unsafe a conversation, unsafe situation. This person isn't safe for me to be who I am intrinsically it's not even it becomes not even a choice right we we just kind of slip in and out of uh of masking essentially (laughs) yeah no you're right I had this great conversation very similar to what we're talking about is just realizing that you can sense this so well when you enter like a social environment, you're like, I can't talk to that person. I can't talk to the person. This person, great. I it's a safe space. And I always thought it's because of some factor of this person, right? But it's you just know because you, yeah, you're right. You can't be your authentic self, right? Yeah. And, but I I always want to tackle this. I always want to be like, why can't we be authentically us? Like, yeah. If that's who we are, we should just be accepting that of everyone. But we don't feel that way because there's this weird judgment, right? And it, uh, yeah, it's mm. yeah, big topic. <laughs> oh, it is honestly. I, I, yeah, love, 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 love unpacking like masking and camouflaging, whatever kind of term people want to call it, because it is. It's honestly fascinating mm. and to to kind of realize and reflect that it's not even a choice it's kind of, it's just a it's a mechanism to ensure that i am safe um and it's it's so incredibly weird that deep down intrinsically i know whether you're a safe person or you're not and yeah. i automatically and it's it's not that i'm not being me right and I think this is what some people struggle with they're like oh you're just acting you know it's a it's not you basically and it's like well no it's not that I'm acting it's it's still me but it's just so hard to explain right down I think the yeah I think the only way is like it's like a toned down version to be to be accepted I don't know, like, mm. you're not faking it yet. You're, you're just being a version that is neurotypically acceptable. I think exactly. Right. Socially, More palatable. You know I mean? like I, yeah, yeah. You're right. It is hard to, yeah, <laughs> it is hard to explain it because, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to articulate sometimes, but, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, no, I, I understand. And, but that's the thing. A lot of people don't understand our experiences. Um, no matter how much you try and validate it, no matter how much you explain it or mm. over-explain it, it's yes. never going to get there, right? <laughs> um, my goodness. But we, we've covered so much, Amy. I, I love that 
I know, right? Here and then be able to explain a lot. Um, but you know, we talked about a lot about how our system has helped us. Did you, um, in your experience, when you went, you know, through our Australian public or private health system, do you think it supported you as well as it, it did? Oh, such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, um, you know, find professionals who understand uh, the yeah. ADHD, the autistic experience, um, and also understand that being undiagnosed for essentially all of my life is really impactful on my mental health as someone who can uh, and has the capacity most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time to <laughs> kind of to, to be able to mask, right, and really the only external display would be you know you would you would probably say oh okay she's having a bit of anxiety today or she's having a bit of a down day you know um but realizing really how impactful that has been on my mental health um yeah and having having professionals who understand that and really kind of say, well, it's no wonder that you're depressed. It's no wonder that you're anxious. It's no wonder that you've, uh, you know, really struggled with this eating disorder all of your life, right? Because you're, you were undiagnosed neurodivergent for so long. You, you did not know that you had a neuromonorative uh, experience and and what that actually means and how it affects your inception in society. So in terms of my experience within uh, the Australian uh, health system, and I will say that um, I went through uh, fully private, so spent, you know, a billion dollars on... <laughs> going through uh and and paying privately and again that's that's a privilege right because it is incredibly yeah. expensive um i realize oh, yeah. and i know how fortunate i am to be able to be able to hand over that you know couple of hundred dollars every time i go and you know yeah. see my psychiatrist which thankfully now is you know once or twice a year <laughs> Because it is, right? It's so expensive. Um, oh, yeah. But also it's it's the cost also of seeing, again, a private clinical psychologist, um, which, again, has been absolutely incredible. Uh, she herself is autistic and ADHD, which is why I chose her to to be my psychologist, which has just been mammoth, life-changing uh, in terms of me better understanding how I operate and the things I need to do in order to just look after myself, really. Um, 
which is a very hard thing to do, <laughs> I will say. Yeah, absolutely. But, so those experiences have been absolutely amazing, but I do, you know, again, come back to that privilege thing of, yeah, I am so incredibly privileged to be able to have these these choices, right, because choice is a privilege um, just to be able to decide and and be able to decide to go, you know what, I don't want to go on the public wait list, which could be, from what I hear, two to three years before you even see a psychiatrist and you don't even know who you're going to see. You don't even know what they specialize in. You could be going into a psychiatrist who knows absolutely nothing about any neurodivergences, you know. Um, So my experience with uh, the Australian system, uh, health system, in terms of my assessments and diagnosis, diagnoses and ongoing uh, treatment and care has been great. However, <laughs> when <laughs> I've gone into, <laughs> I know, right, it's, it's always the however. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> when I've gone into um, hospital, uh, you know, w- when I've been unwell, so uh, I, a couple of years ago I decided to undergo vertical sleeve gastrectomy surgery, so VSG surgery where they, yeah. uh, the surgeon essentially removed around about 80% of my stomach, uh, so I had weight loss surgery. Um, and when I now, because I can't, uh, I can't really eat a lot standard, you know, I've, I have a tiny, tiny little sausage sized yeah. stomach. <laughs> um, yeah. but when I, when I become unwell or, you know, I'm, uh, a little bit deficient in my, uh, you know, vitamins, minerals, etc., I need to go into hospital, uh, and kind of, especially oh with dehydration. So if I'm vomiting or if I have like a stomach bug or something along those lines, it's really crucial that I get myself to hospital and be put on to, um, you know, a drip and, and to be rehydrated because I can't, uh, take in enough to do that, uh, myself. And when I have gone into hospital, uh, and the last time I did was, I think around this time last year, to be fair, it was, a horrendous experience. Um, I wasn't taken seriously when I brought up the fact that I'm ADHD, I'm autistic, uh, these are the medications I take. And because I am a very uh, structured, uh, you know, I, I have my little processes that I like to follow every day, right? I'm, I love a routine. I live live for routine right um and when I said look you know these are the medications I take these are the very specific times that I take them um it just it it fell on deaf ears they and look I I know that nurses and doctors in the public system private system any system right they are stressed they are under the pump they have way more uh patients that they are taking on than they can actually manage um i get it 
but <laughs> and that's where my butt is um <laughs> it really yeah. is crucial that I get those medications at those times that I do these things at these times in this way and stick to my routine because otherwise I'm going to be pushed into burnout even more so. Um, And it's really distressing. I I had a really awful experience uh, in hospital last year and I was, the distress level was at, you know, 9,000. And I, (laughs) when I'm in that, uh, that place, I can't control, um, any, anything really of my body, uh, especially emotions. Um, I just become completely dysregulated. So that experience alone has really traumatized me. Um, and, and unfortunately that was, um, you know, at a time where it wasn't long after I'd received my diagnoses and, was still kind of learning to advocate for myself. So we we know that in terms of ADHD and the autistic community, the Australian medical professionals, um, hospitals, just any care provider, they they have a long way to go, right? Um, and I really love the work that um, I don't know if you follow Annie Crow. Um, she's a Australian human rights lawyer. <gasps> I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, she's, no, she's a I was. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, oh, yeah, I, I just. <laughs> oh, the the work that Annie is doing within. Um, the, the medical space, right, is just so important because that experience for me was trauma that was really unnecessary. I really did not have to experience that had those nurses, doctors, practitioners, etc., actually taken me seriously. Yeah. It's, you know what, it's, I I, can, I agree with pretty much everything you said, and like you're right. Not to say that that you know health and you know the health system is already it's already so helpful and supportive in what they're already doing. It's just that there is a lot more, but obviously with the manpower, mm-hmm. it's not possible. And like the only reason why I do ask this question a lot is just to bring to attention what could be improved on that is not hard mm-hmm. to like that is not difficult to kind of change right and adjust yeah and the reason why i also ask is curious because not everyone's experience not everyone's experience is the same and and that's the hard part because it Mm. it should be uh you know a simple process but it isn't not everyone's process is linear and that's the same with like you know growth and and then you know trauma and all that but it's i yeah there's a lot there that again is being mismanaged but can mm. be really well managed mm. you know you, you have the resources and that's why there are so many advocates that are professional and they're you know we have Jordan still doing um trying to get that into parliament and it's so tough because yeah they still don't believe it you know even though there's all these submissions I did a submission like it's just 
it's words to them, right? And like you said, yeah. it's more than just you. And that's the unfortunate part Yeah. Long way to go and you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, I am I'm glad that, you know, you were able to have that really fortunate experience to get through to where you are today and have the proper care and treatment that you are being provided today because, yeah, like yeah. Said, it's it's not always the same for everyone, you know. And No, that's right. Um, and when you did say privilege, yeah, and when you said um, – choice of privilege I I it's you're right and I didn't even realize that because I it's ironic that I call myself a minority but here I am I'm an Australian I, I grew up here I you know born and bred here but I think because as being a second generation Asian it's just not knowing those things because we never mm. in school you weren't actually educated about this you weren't informed about anything apart from you know, not a, how not to take drugs at party, how to look after your friends if they've been drunk. Like that was the seminars we were given in high school, yeah. right? But never anything on mental health. But obviously, no. Uh, given that now it's become such a big issue, but I'd hope that now in schools they're approaching that a bit more, um, because you know you're educating these children, but they're our next generation. But what you should also be doing is educating them on the things that matter to them personally, mm. because you know, they can get education anywhere else, but it's the fact that, you know, will these human beings be functioning adults? <laughs> That's yeah. the story, right? Um, exactly. And you don't just teach that. <laughs> it, it takes a long time. Um, but no, I... I yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Annie Crow, I, I will be chatting with her soon, but she um, she's a busy schedule, so I, it's been a lot oh, of scheduling. I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, she's amazing. I was even, I'm just, I know, I got so fortunate having to um, track her down and get her, but uh, um, I'm really mm. happy I get to chat with her. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it's good, it's a good, um, I guess, impact on, on what our community needs. So it's really good to have her. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, she's just, well, oh, I just love how she, uh, well, just love her essentially. <laughs> but I did her um, <laughs> earlier this week. I actually attended one of her burnout masterclasses and, yeah, I just oh, yeah. the work that she's doing is just super super important and incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, really amazing. Yeah, I'll have to um, sit down and I, you know, it's there's so many workshops I've seen of different coaches and and, and it's just like which one? <laughs> like there's so many great. Workshops. I know, right? I want to do um, them all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best thing because with this advocacy that both you and I are doing you're seeing all the resources that are actually there but it's mm. not being um I guess um I guess shown so much it's not being promoted on a scale that we would like right it's being promoted yeah. at a scale that we're, it's within the community still which is still great because it helps us but what people are trying to do is obviously trying to promote it promote that at a larger scale so that people then understand our experiences um but yeah such a long process and we'll get there no oh, i know you know with all this talk and, and all that <laughs> but yeah but apart from of all that is what is what has been what do you appreciate about having your new diagnosis oh, wow i i love how incredibly 
solution focused I am uh, and how, I don't know, just how, how easy I find it to kind of think on my toes and I don't know, you know, I don't know whether it's just, again, coming back to that double empathy uh, issue, um, you know, whether that's the reason and I just kind of have to think on the fly. Um, But I really am just kind of so solution focused, right? If if there's a problem in front of me and I often have to kind of like catch myself, especially when I'm chatting to really close friends and they're kind of looking at me like, Mm -hmm. Amy, I don't want solutions. I just want to vent and, you know, (laughs) just let me say the things. (laughs) Whereas I'm straight away (laughs) like, okay, we can try like all of these 50 million different things to, you know, improve the situation (laughs) or fix this issue or, you know, I'm, I'm just very much, um, kind of that in the, in the mind of there's a problem. Cool. Let's, let's try and find some solution that, that works for everyone. Right. Um, which, which I guess is why, um, I work so well in kind of, uh, what I do for work within the data and systems realm. It's, um, you know, I I just love solving a good problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I mean, yeah, you're you're, you're a, like a, a good class thinker, and then you are problem solver. I think that's the best. Yeah, I've always um, I've always heard that from any neurodivergent uh, person. They always say like, yeah, I'm just I know what to do. It's because you see it mm. from a different lens, where people kind of just see it in that one way, and you're like, well, here are all the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and isn't it so bizarre? Thing. And yeah, right. And 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 it's so bizarre, especially I guess um within the autistic community especially, you know, we we are often not thought of as problem solvers as um mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh yeah. being able to uh look at all of these different perspectives. Um it's it's just so not the case, you know, and and the more I become uh, embedded within the community and the more autistic folks that I chat with, I'm just, I'm blown away by how incredible um, these people are. And like me, we are just so solution minded and yet are able to see all of these different perspectives. You know, it's kind of like you, let's say you, you come into work and one of your one of your co-workers who usually you know they're they're usually pretty happy and easy to talk to whatever um they're having a really bad day and for a lot of people um that I have kind of um noticed they just they I find a lot of people are quick to write off others right rather than kind of stepping back and being like oh wow that person's usually you know, chatty or they, they'll at least give me a smile or whatever it is. But today they haven't even looked at me. They haven't even acknowledged that, um, I'm alive, you know, rather than writing them off, I'm very much the kind of, I'm the kind of person who will look at that and think, okay, what's going on for that person? Um, what, what is going on in their life? Has something happened? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, 
I've always kind of, yeah, right. And and I just, I think it's really important um, for, for everyone to kind of be able to, to step back and rather than write off others, just be curious. Yeah. Um, it, when you were talking about that, it's like, um, yeah, because you you're already have this empathy and then you are hyper aware of all the social situations that you're in. So you're already analyzing. And, and so like your, your brain already works so much of the things around you. And oh, yeah. when people think, oh, like, like, oh, that, that's not actually happening. It's like, no, 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 I can sense it. Like, it's not something you yeah. know, I just developed. It's just always been there. And, and like, yeah, I remember it was a struggle for me to believe that, that I just had that because no one else did. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have that? Like, it's just so normal to me, right? And I know, right? Um, <laughs> what do you mean you yeah. can't feel the vibe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? They're horrible. Like, yeah, I, but I know. It's just, um, it's a good thing to have because I, I mean, for me, I, I see both sides. Like, it's like, yeah, like I can understand. I know which people to kind of avoid and not to mesh with. Cause I'm very like upfront about like who I want to spend my time with. Like I'm very, mm. I'm very conscious of my time and my energy and my energy yeah. because I don't want to waste my time. Like I want to be with in meaningful relationships and a meaningful connection. Like you know what I mean. Like and that's why I have meaningful uh, conversations like with yourself. So it's exactly. all about me trying to like peel back the layers and go, do I want to spend time? No, let's move on. Looks like rather yeah. not waste that time. And but it's just seeing that, and then I, I see the other side where I'm like oh my god I'm just such a bitch like I just I'm just like no I don't need you um, yeah. but it's but but like but like I own it because I'm like well at least I know who I am and what I want yeah and who I would rather enjoy appreciating you know and I if anything I'd rather be called a bitch for that like like I don't want to just be such a people pleaser that I people please everyone except for myself like I'd rather be comfortable with who I am comfortable with who am I like it, that's all it is right um yeah and yeah I just it's that whole fake flash masking thing again but yeah it's so important to um mm. yeah to hone in on your strengths and that's something I I'm learning still very very much about but I I am very aware of because you know I always thought you know like me being weird I'm like oh I always thought I was just loud but it's just a loud personality but that's just personality right but no 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 that's a that's a symptom <laughs> um but I was never like I was never ashamed ashamed of it right because yeah I think I just got so lucky having a great like network um of family and friends that just were like yeah that's great like that's you uh, we love that about you and I'm like great yeah and that's so important to have to have an accepting it is culture accepting community right and it just does so well for you and I feel like I feel for anyone that feels small in, mm. in a place that they should feel safe you know yeah um, and they should never feel that way because I agree real, yeah. right and that should just be that should just be it <laughs> That's it, right? Um, yeah. Well, I've got two more questions for you, Amy. I Ooh. do want to ask, um, <laughs> um, what are some apps or resources that help you manage your um, everyday and your diagnosis? Hmm. 
Oh my gosh. Apps and resources. <laughs> See, I, oh, I'm one of those people that if you do use it. has like a million, I have a billion apps <laughs> on my phone, right? Because I am trying oh, yeah. to find like the, the one, right? The one that just does yeah. everything. <laughs> does it. <laughs> I haven't found it yet. Um, <laughs> But I've tried things. Let me know when you do. Um, <laughs> I've tried things like Timo and Llama Life. Um, I've tried things as for project management, you know, like ClickUp. Um, I've recently been recommended Trello, mm. so I need to give that one a shot as well. But I don't know. I, I haven't found something that kind of, does all the things that I kind of require. Um, basically, I need like an executive <laughs> functioning assistant. Um, so if yeah. you know one, yeah, yeah. let me know. <laughs> I'm still waiting to find out too. <laughs> right? But I, um, I, I certainly, you know, heavily rely on, you know, the reminders apps and the calendar apps um, oh, yeah. on my phone, yeah. you know, anything that kind of, has that reminder um I need to always be wearing a smartwatch um because <laughs> even though I uh you would think that you know being a millennial I'm attached to my phone I am but I'm not <laughs> I it's it's only attached yeah, yeah. to me right um when it's here mm. in my hand if it's on the table or if it's in my bag or wherever then out of sight, out of mind, it doesn't exist to me. So yes, I need yeah. to, to, yeah, right. I, I need to always be wearing a smartwatch. Um, I need to, <laughs> in, in the realm of like calendars and stuff, not only do I need to have reminders on my calendar on my phone, but I, out in my kitchen area, I've got a big whiteboard um you know kind of up on the uh up on the wall and I have to put everything on there even though I yeah. get those reminders you know on my watch on my phone I still need to kind of have that visual cue as well to say oh okay well yeah. you know this Tuesday I've got to go to the chiropractor at you know five or whatever even though I've had it like pop up on my phone and on my watch. Um, so <laughs> I do really rely on those visual cues and resources as well. Um, and, oh, gosh, fidgets, right? So um, oh, yeah. I, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. I was very much <laughs> so because I am kind of, I am in the corporate world, right? I sit in a lot of meetings with a lot of people who are oh, yeah. far more professional than I am, will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay. I, In order for me to focus, concentrate, um, comprehend what's uh, being said to me, being able to process all of these things, it's really crucial that I also have something a fidget in my hand like I have this whole time you know I've had my um infinity roller which I just love you know um so don't get me wrong I have a whole bunch of like squishmallows and like you know soft little 
things also. Um, But, you know, when when you are sitting in these corporate meetings with all of these incredibly professional people, um, you know, it's probably going to be frowned upon if I have something that looks, you know, quote unquote childish. So, you know, things like um, infinity rollers or fidget cubes, that sort of stuff, which, you know, they're a little bit more inconspicuous that I can just kind of hold in my hand and do my thing. Um, it, it really does help me to focus. Um, yeah, so it's there's so many things, right, so many apps and resources out there. But, um, look, if I, if I find the one, I'll share. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Yeah, give us the hacks. Yeah, no, I um... – I, I think I'm the same like you. I, I bundled the resource, but they were all great um, because I actually haven't heard of the ones that you listed before. But um, in terms of, yeah, reminders, having those visual cues is so helpful. Mm. Like, I, yeah, you need dedicated areas. Like, this is my podcast spot. Like, I, like you said, when you said a squishmallow, I was like, oh, here's my strawberry squishmallow. <laughs> like, I, like, I never realized yes. I needed it. Like, <laughs> Um, I never realized I was a fidget like I did it but because I got so used to just using like a pen or or like that mm. was my thing right and or just scribbling and I remember thinking the other day going my mum does that like whenever she's on the phone mm. she has to write like she has to write and talk and I'm like ah here we go like <laughs> that's a tell yeah. like yeah but um, yeah yeah I, <laughs> um, but yeah no reminders are a good one I have set so many and it's such a it's such a good tool. Like, even if you're oh. not neurodivergent, it's just great to keep track of things. Like, it just is calendars. Exactly. Amazing. Um, like, I'm already so hyper aware of what I have, like, almost every day. But it's, like, just having that just there so I can time it better because time blindness stuff. But it's good to have that routine and structure in place so that then, you, you know, then you're able to manage it better as well as having the medication mm. on top. Great. Clarify, clarity, all great. Um, but, yeah, like, I think, it, it, like, it, as well as, you know, it's it, to each their own. Like people can manage their own in, in different ways. But I, I like that that those things work for you. Um, yeah. I have yet to even know what an infinity roller is. So that's a. Good oh my god, <laughs> you will not regret it. <laughs> Plus, okay. it's pink. I I'll mean, I'll have to look into it. Oh, excellent! <laughs> Color of the podcast, beautiful. I know, right? <laughs> um. Well, last but not least, Amy, I, um, what, what message would you like to leave for um, anyone that is listening? Oh my gosh, that is a <laughs> very hard question. Oh gosh. Too much pressure. <sighs> I know, right? <laughs> I just think um, it's really important, um, I guess, for, for me um, to know my neurotype, um, to understand, um, and I guess maybe it comes down to like the curiosity thing and, and the lifelong learning and the love of learning, um, thing for me is that the more I know about myself and how I function and how I experience the world, Um, how I experience everything is really important to me because it enables me to really foster incredible relationships and friendships with the people around me, whether that's in a 
personal or uh, professional setting, um, you know, going back to where we talked about just kind of having the language um, and being able to articulate our experiences and the very necessary supports that we need uh, is, is so incredibly important. And even for people who, you know, maybe, maybe they are just kind of um, dipping their toe in the pool of potential neurodivergence. Um, I would really um, emphasize how important it is to just educate yourself on uh, not just uh, autism and ADHD, but uh, all of the divergences, right? Um, schizophrenia, uh, OCD, um, bipolar. There, there's, there's all of these things, right, um, that have unfortunately been heavily stigmatized um, for forever. Um, but kind of educating yourself on uh, potentially what what it means to be ADHD, to be autistic um, is, is really important whether you have a diagnosis or not um, because it comes back to that, the, the, the language, right, um, and being able to just, yeah, better articulate, well, you know, I, I feel uh, overwhelmed, right, when there's a TV on in the background and uh, the fan above me is, you know, going full steam and there's a child across the road screaming and the dog's barking and you're trying to talk to me <laughs> and I can see your lips are moving, but I just, I have no idea, <laughs> no idea. My brain just can't yeah. uh, grasp, you know, anything that's coming out of, out of your mouth and being able to kind of um, yeah. realize that and realize that you're slipping into, um, you know, overwhelm or a potential meltdown or shutdown in my case uh, and being able to vocalize that and feel safe enough to to also um, you know be verbal about that uh, is really incredible uh, so I really kind of um, really advocate for for people to just know more about themselves really um, it's it's so important I I honestly can't um can't talk to how incredibly important it is um particularly to me uh just knowing how how helpful uh and even more amazing it has made my life thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review it on spotify to catch the latest, you can follow me on Instagram at nyntpodcast. And if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, send an email to nyntpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember that the content in this podcast is not intended to provide medical advice and should not be relied on as such. If you are experiencing any health concerns, you are encouraged to seek advice from a medical professional. 
Not Your Neurotypical Podcast aims to create an informative and supportive safe space for neurodivergent individuals and their allies to connect, learn, and grow together. Each episode is recorded on Gadigal land, Sydney, Australia, hosted and produced by me, Raylan Sebastian, with music composed by Hubert de Monteverde. Thank you for joining me on this journey and stay tuned for the next episode.